Wow. So good to see all of you here. I'm Pastor Mark, uh, one of the pastors here. Pastor Jay is here as well. And, uh, but I appreciate so much being able to share with you this morning. I do want to remind you that uh, the 21 days of prayer and fasting began on the 6th of the month. I think it's the 6th of the month. And the, um, the devotional guide is out there or on the app. It's out in the foyer on the app, and we encourage you to pick one of those up. Today, I want to be very encouraging to the body of Christ. I got some good news for you today. You ready to hear some good news? Well, don't turn on TV because you won't hear it. Why don't we give you some good news today? Let me read you just one thing from Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. We're going to be doing a series in January called Teach Us to Pray. And this is not part of that series. But I am pulling out one phrase that I want you to to notice. On earth as it is in heaven. I guess you might have heard the story about the, the pastor and the taxi cab driver that ended up at the pearly gates on the same day. And uh St. Peter met him at the pearly gates and, and invited him to come in. And he said to the taxi cab driver, said, hey, look, I got a mansion I want to show you. And he went up there and he showed him this mansion up on the hill, beautiful place, and said, this is yours. The guy was just so excited, and the pastor just couldn't wait to hear where his was. And went walking down the street, and, 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 and he said, oh, by the way, pastor, this is your little shack right over here, down in the bottom land over here. The pastor said, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. I've been preaching the gospel for 40 years. Why in the world is a taxi cab driver got a mansion up there and I got that little place? He said, well, pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. When you preached, people went to sleep. And when he drove, people prayed. <laughs> okay, it's not true. On earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever wondered what Jesus really meant by heaven on earth? Have you ever wondered what he really meant by it? We basically have all sort of seen heaven as a place totally separated from earth. Uh, Heaven is like somewhere up far, far away in the the deep blue up there. It's it's, um, God's space, and this is our space. And there's this scary thing called death, it's the only in-between between God's place and our place. But Jesus talked about God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, as a present reality, not just a future reality. Look at what Jesus said in Mark 9, 1. He said to them, truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. Now, he's talking to people that said, you're going to get to see the kingdom of God in its power before you die. So somehow this idea that it's separate, heaven, kingdom of, kingdom of God's up here and the kingdom of earth is down here and the never the twain shall meet until the very end. That's not what he said. Look at Luke 10, 8 and 9. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick. And tell them the kingdom of God 
has come near you. That word is the kingdom of God is standing with you. It's sort of confusing. <laughs> it was real confusing to the disciples too when they heard him. Uh, fortunately, we have the whole New Testament to give us a little bit more light than even the disciples did. So we read in the last book of the Bible about the future time when the kingdom of heaven actually like comes and sits down on the earth. Revelation 21, 2 through 5. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. I love this. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. So it seems to me like Jesus said two things. He said, the kingdom of heaven is coming. And he also said, the kingdom of heaven is here. And he did. The scriptures make it plain that the heavens were created by God and the heavens belong to God. The psalmist says it. But he also says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It seems to me that the God who created heaven and earth, it's all his house. <laughs> it's all his. N.T. Wright, he's this really smart British guy, awesome guy. He says that God's creation, which he called good, the heavens and the earth, is sort of like a split-level home. It's sort of like a split-level Heaven and earth are not intended to be separate lodgings, but rather heaven and earth are designed to sort of overlap and interlock, and that's true. Now, it's true that some bad things have happened down here in the bottom area of our split level, and, uh, and God knows all about them and is busy making everything right in the lower levels. But then one day, as the book of Revelation has said, Heaven and earth will fully overlap and fully interlock when the new Jerusalem comes down. Just last week, we celebrated the incredible birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. That's the day that God came and decided he would take up residence down in the bottom of the split level. And he's been here ever since. That's why in the book of Acts, the point of the coming of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, we studied it last two summers. We're going to study it this next summer too. The, the tr reason the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts isn't to comfort us because Jesus is gone. <laughs> poor, poor people on the earth, you need comfort. And one day God's going to rescue you from this mean old earth. No, the point of the Spirit given to us it's so that through the work of the church, through the work of the body of Christ, the work of Jesus continues and the kingdom of God continues on this earth. The kingdom of God comes to the earth as the church is energized by his spirit and goes into the world in power, praising God and praying and preaching and healing. And sometimes being vulnerable and misunderstood and misjudged and persecuted and hated. As Paul put it one time, we bear about the, in our body the dying of Jesus so that the world may see the life of Jesus in us. 
Matthew 12 tells this incredible story about a demon-possessed man who was also blind and mute. Both. In other words, he had big problems. Jesus miraculously healed him just in a moment of time. And everyone was astonished at it. Not like he hadn't been doing these things all over the country, but they were astonished at it. And so somebody questioned Jesus, and this is what he said. Here's, here's the scripture. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That healing miracle, that deliverance miracle was heaven on earth. Does that make sense? That was heaven on earth. That's why miracles get done on the earth, so that God can remind everybody, I'm still in charge of this house. Signs and wonders. We talk about signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are what? They're, they're signs that the king is in the house, that the kingdom of God is around. It's happening. It's not future. It's now. Some people call it, theologians call it the already and the not yet. I like that. Already Jesus has defeated Satan and won the war. But in our earthly realm of time, we have not yet seen the total fulfillment of his undisputed victory. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about it. It says, God has put everything under Jesus' feet. And then it says this, quote, yet at the present, we don't see everything subject to him. You know why? Because it's still happening. It's still progressing. One day it'll all be made right. And until then, we get to know Christ and share his blessings in the kingdom of God. We get to be his representatives. I love it. In, in 2 Peter, one, I've got a lot of scripture, but listen to this. In 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, this is what it says. His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us very great, precious promises. So through them, you may participate in the divine nature. What he's saying is, is God has said, I'm going to give you everything you need supernaturally through my spirit that lives in you, my miracle kingdom of God that lives in you to live a Christian life on this earth and to participate. That means to be partners with. To be partners with through God's promises in his word, the divine nature of God. Oh, my goodness. So, so what does heaven on earth look like? Let me just suggest three things this morning as we look forward to next year. It's my, my belief that God wants us to be a whole lot more heaven on earth this coming year than we were in 2019. Amen. So here's the first one. Heaven on earth looks like miracles. C.S. Lewis says miracles happen when heaven touches the earth. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles because I believe Jesus meant it when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done just on earth just as it is done in heaven. Miracles are not really miraculous to God. They're simply him being who he is and doing what he does. He is naturally supernatural. A miracle is when God does what only God can do. 
Mark 10, 27. With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Now there are some, there are even believers, who don't believe in miracles. They don't. They're called cessationists. They believe that miracles ceased when the apostles died 2,000 years ago. And they literally teach these things. I am not a cessationist. <laughs> Woo. I know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've seen too many miracles myself to deny the miraculous power of God. Now, I can't make them happen. I can't control them. I'm not in charge of them. But I can believe God for miracles because that's what he asked me to do. Amen? Sadly, though, there are so many skeptics, too many skeptics, even in Pentecostal churches where we believe in miracles. I know. I've been one. I said I believed. In fact, doctrinally, I did believe. But I never expected them. And I looked for reasons to be skeptical of them. And I've seen the miracles. I've seen big ones happen. And yet, still, unbelief crept into my life. Yeah, while I was a pastor here. But it was just fear. It was fear. It was me afraid that God might disappoint me. Or, and that I might disappoint someone else. And then if I thought somebody was questioning my faith, I'd get big time offended. They have no right to question my faith. Nobody did. I just thought they did. It's fear. Then one day I read where Jesus called out his disciples and said, Oh, you of little faith. And I read he did it a lot. He did it a bunch of times. Then I started realizing the one questioning my faith wasn't somebody out there. It was somebody up there. Jesus helped me admit that I was a Pentecostal skeptic. So I started praying for God to help me grow my faith. I chose to start believing God's word and what I've seen since then has changed my life. I encourage you to risk asking Jesus, Lord, am I a skeptic? I, I encourage you, risk that. Ask God, God, am I a skeptic? And then listen to what Jesus says and don't get offended. <laughs> there are many categories of miracles in the Bible. Miracles of healing, we, we've talked about that. Miracles of provision, like when manna and water was provided to the children of Israel in the middle of the desert when their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Miracles of protection, like when God protected Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Miracles of multiplication, like when Jesus fed 5,000 people with just a few fish and bread. Miraculous signs, like a burning bush that wasn't consumed or that when the sun stood still. Miracles of resurrection, like when God brought dead people to life, like Lazarus and others. Miracles of victory, like when the walls of Jericho just went boom, down. Miracles over nature, like when Jesus calmed a storm and said, peace, be still. 
Miracles of transportation. <laughs> like when Jesus walked on water. That's the best thing I knew to call it, miracle of transportation. <laughs> miracle of communication. Like when God made a donkey speak. Or when God uses prophetic words and words of knowledge and things that can only come from, from God. And how about this one? Miracles of timing. Like when God worked a miracle on the second weekend of Scrooge and we ended up having Scrooge on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and it was impossible for that to happen. That was a miracle of timing, folks. God gave us miraculously, you know, a surf pro cleaning up and an electrician hooking things up and, and uh, people that were moving things and cleaning things and, and, and all of a sudden what looked like an impossibility became a possibility and then, then we sort of got down a little bit because we hear, we hear that they're not going to let us, the fire department's not going to let us do that and then somehow, somehow the fire marshal comes in and says go for it. And 200 and something more people came to Jesus. Miracles are God responding to a problem somebody has. <laughs> it's like problems are his opportunity as the creator to just get creative. Does a miracle. You might think your problems are too big even for God. But I want to remind you what the scripture says, Luke 18, 27. What is impossible with men is possible with God. A miracle is an encounter with the creative will of God. Miracles are only difficult when we think we have to have the power to do them. <laughs> Actually, we're just the vessels that God is waiting to pour power through. Miracles happen when we believe they're possible because of God. All things are possible. But we got to act in faith and pray. You got to do that. I found out a lot more miracles happen when I pray than when I don't. You may think there's nothing for God to work with in your life. Did you know that God created everything out of nothing? He created the whole world. There's a Latin phrase for it, ex nihilo. He created the whole world out of nothing. Out of nothing. I heard about this scientist, this arrogant scientist who challenged God and said, I can do everything you can do, including making life. So God said, okay, you're on, go first. So the arrogant scientist reached down and picked up a handful of dirt and God said, oh, no, 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 no. I made that dirt. You got to make your own dirt. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> what, what man calls creating is just taking something God already did and making something else out of it. But God creates things out of nothing. Everything that is once was not existed in the mind of God until he created it. So I want to tell you, God can create something out of the nothing in your life. God can create something out of the nothing in your marriage. God can create something out of the nothing in your finances. God can create nothing out of nothing. Isn't that amazing? God can create something out of nothing. I said that wrong. Edit. Nothing out of nothing just sounded so good. <laughs> so Southern, you know. 
Heaven on earth, one of the things that looks like is miracles. Do you have an expectation of miracles? Or a skepticism that drowns out your faith? I love the story when Jesus asked the father of a little demon-possessed boy. There's a little boy demon-possessed, and Jesus asked his father, do you believe I can set that boy free? Do you believe a miracle can occur? And I love what that guy said. He said, yes, I do, but help my doubt. Yes, I do, but help me overcome my doubts. Help my unbelief. I know what that feels like. That's the right heart, though. God can create faith in a heart who wants to have faith. He did it in me. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth is so much bigger than just miracles. Here's the second thing heaven on earth looks like. Transformation. <laughs> One of my favorite stories since childhood even is the story of Zacchaeus in the 19th chapter of Luke. Zacchaeus, of course, was the tax collector, this hated, awful, greedy, thieving, scandalous crook, sort of Scroogeousness. Jesus had one heaven on earth conversation with him and everything changed to everyone's surprise. Transformation happened. Look at what the scripture says about it. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What is God's will in heaven? To seek and save the lost. What was Zacchaeus? Lost. So the will of God was to seek him and offer him transformation. That's the kingdom of God on this earth. Transformation, salvation, heart change, change life. That is heaven on earth. If, if today I were to ask people in the room to stand up and declare what you were before meeting Jesus, and what you've become since meeting Jesus, we'd be shocked and thrilled at the same time. <laughs> oh, the stories in this room. Addiction, depression, adultery, greed, hatred, violence, hopelessness, brokenness, abuse, immorality. Oh yeah, in this room. But then there's this incredible thing called redemption. Being redeemed and changed and forgiven. That's the story in the room. That's called transformation. Heaven on earth looks like transformation. Human life transformation. I was this way one time and now I'm this way. That's a miracle. When the kingdom comes, transformation happens. When heaven on earth happens, people's lives get transformed. And there's a third thing. I'm sure there are more than three, but here's the third one. Heaven on earth looks like perfect love. When I think of heaven on earth and what it looks like, I think of healing and I think of life transformation. I think of somebody coming and righting all the wrongs in the world. But when you put it together, there's one thing that everything has in particular, has in common. 
Heaven and earth, heaven on earth will look like the relationship culture in heaven is being acted out on the earth. What I mean is when heaven comes to earth, we're drawn into loving people instead of hating them. It's a culture of love where the kingdom comes, comes and teaches us how to love, pe love people perfectly as God loves them. That's when the kingdom comes. The scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. That's in 1 John 4, 18. Let me tell you why heaven and earth look like perfect love. See, in religious cultures, even like ours, most people are motivated to do good works by either pride, wanting to be seen doing them, or by fear of getting punished if you don't. That's generally what religion does to people. It causes pride or fear of punishment. People love rules because rules give you a little measuring stick you measure everybody by. Keeping rules is a way to sort of give people a sense of control. And especially if you write the rules, you become God when you write the rules. And it's sort of a way to control everything. Forgiveness and reconciliation between people and Forgiveness and stuff like that doesn't fit real good in religious cultures because we think, well, they deserve to be shunned or they deserve to be hated. They deserve to not be liked. People are seen as not worthy of love. But it's not that way in the kingdom. When the kingdom comes, it's different. It's different. When the kingdom comes, it's like some of you might remember Corey Ten Boom. Cory Ten Boom was, a, was a, a, a Dutch lady who helped hide Jews in her house from the Nazis during World War II. And she and her family were thrown in a, in a concentration camp, a Nazi concentration camp, and were, went through all kind of horrible, terrible abuse. It was terrible. And when it was over, she actually went and looked up some of the most cruel uh, guards that had treated them to go and to tell them that God loved them and that she forgave them. How does that happen? That happens when heaven is on earth and it lives in us and it changes the way we, we treat people and God wants it to be that way. The church is supposed to be the example to the world of how people love one another. Colossians 3.12 Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. People who decide to turn their love off, you know, just switch their love off, they do it because they're afraid. Really. They're afraid, they're afraid somehow that, that somebody's going to get away with something. The more they listen to that fear, then they become a, the worst version of themselves. But our Father wants us to be the very best version of ourselves we can be. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. That you may be called children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? 
If you greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? So be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That means love people perfectly. Love people unconditionally. What if Kingwood Church loved Shelby County unconditionally? Everywhere we went. What if that happened? That would be calling heaven on earth. Brought to individual souls. That's how their lives will be transformed. Folks, it would be a miracle. God has never turned his love off toward us. Agreed? God has never turned his love off toward us. And if we want to bring heaven on earth, we got to learn to do exactly what God does. God wants us to live in a culture of love. If you want heaven on earth now, you got to love everybody the way God loves them. Now, I want to personalize this message today. This is what I want to do. I want to go back to where I started. Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will? I want to give you a theological point you need to remember. Everything that happens is not God's will. Did you hear me? Everything that happens is not God's will. Que sarah, sarah is not true. <laughs> Whatever will be, will be is not true. This, I, I, people, I've heard people say, well, it was just meant to be. Get off of that. It's meant to be? Like we're just these little puppets down here and everything's like meant to be. And everything that happens is God's will. No wonder people don't like God. They look around and see what all's going on. They go, this can't be what God wants. The will of God in this world is the choice we make to do God's will. You remember, Jesus prayed that prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He prayed that in the Lord's Prayer, but he prayed it another time too. Do you remember when he prayed it? It was called the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, not my will, thy will be done. What we had there were two opposing wills, his will and his Father's will. And he chose his Father's will. Will you choose that? Will you choose it? Will I choose it? It just depends. Don't get in the old thing of, well, if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You say, well, if people are meant to be saved, they'll get saved. Nuh-uh. If you don't tell them, they won't. Am I praying that prayer? Am I praying that prayer, God, I want to be in the middle of your will. Show me your will. I'll do your will. I'll do whatever you say. And if God said, this is what I want you to do, then you'll do it. If God says, I want you to pray for this person to be healed, pray. If God says, I need you to share the life transformation God did in you with this person, do it. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. If God tells you to love somebody that you don't love, do it. It's the kingdom of God. It's following his will. Am I praying that prayer? Do I want God's will to be done in me? Do I want God's will to be done through me? Do I? I have to ask myself that question. Ask yourself that question. Have I surrendered to him? Am I a Pentecostal skeptic? <laughs> Am I a person that looks for reasons to explain away stuff or to doubt things? Am I the person that thinks of my doubt before I think of my belief? Ask yourself the question. Ask yourself. Am I a messenger of transformation? 
When people see me, do they see not who I was, but who I am now compared to who I was? Do they see the transforming power of God? That's the will of God. Am I a lover of souls? Do I love people the way God loves them? As a church, do we love people the way God loves us? As an individual, do I love people the way God loves me? Are we skeptics? Or do we believe in miracle, transformation, and a baptism of love? Do we believe in those things? That's really the question today. Heaven on earth. Heaven on earth is not for us to say, well, if it's meant to be, it'll be. No, I'll tell you when heaven comes to earth. It's when God's people start seeking the will of God and saying, God, I want to be right in the center of your will. I want to be in the center of your will. That's what heaven on earth is, is God transforming people like you and me and having us believe him and trust him and do everything he says. That's heaven on earth. And it doesn't start with God. It starts with you choosing. God has already put everything in place and said, it's your choice. Now we, gotta act. we got to act. It doesn't just hit us. No. Is there a desire in your heart after just hearing the word today? Is there a desire in your heart? God, I don't want to be a skeptic anymore. I want to believe you. I don't want to try to find reasons why not to believe the Bible. I want to find reasons to believe it. Every word of it. I don't want to find reasons, try to find explanations for why God doesn't stuff. I just doesn't do stuff. I want to find reasons to show people what God does. I feel like today there are three things that need to happen. I think some people today need to be set free from skepticism. Pentecostals need to be set free from skepticism in this, in this room today. Secondly, there's some people in this room that need transformation because you hadn't been transformed yet. You're like Zacchaeus. You, you, you believe the right stuff, but it hadn't changed you yet. God wants to change you. God wants to take you to the, to the potter's wheel and mold you and make you brand new. Some of you know you need to be brand new. The, the, the life you live, even if it's secret, is, is, is betraying you. And God wants you to be whole from the inside out. He wants that to happen today. And the third thing is, I felt like I felt this very strongly when I was just preaching this. When I was talking about God's love, everybody went, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I know. But you look in your life and you see that isn't happening in me. I got some things, I got some things I'm harboring against somebody in my heart. I've got unforgiveness in my life. I do not love souls. It doesn't thrill me to hear. When Pastor Jay got up a minute ago and talked about 400 and, uh, 400 and whatever many people got saved, it didn't even, it didn't even affect me. Why? Because I don't love souls. Ask yourself the question. Today, God can set you free in all three of those things. Today, he's here to set skeptics free, to transform lives, and to baptize you in love. That can happen to you in this service today. Would you bow your heads just for a moment?
I'm going to ask the prayer team if you'll just make your way up to the front while I'm sharing. I want everybody just to listen this way. Today, if you know your heart began to move as you heard something that God said to you today, it all happened for a purpose. To draw you to today for you to say, God, not my will, thy will be done. Don't go to the old, well, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. No, it won't happen unless you get up and you walk down here and you pray with somebody. That's what God's saying to you today. Choose today for heaven on earth to begin with you. I'm going to ask everyone if you'll stand now, if you will, with me. As they begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to make your way to the front and just connect with somebody and go, wow, God has spoken to me today. Just pray with me about it. These people don't, there's no judgment here. There's just people wanting to, to pray with you today. Would you come, would you come and let God set you free? Come on right now, in Jesus' name, just step out and come. Somebody's waiting to pray with you right now. Make your way to the front. Come on right now. Make your way to the front. Make your way to the front. That's right. Come on. Yes. Yes, Lord Jesus. Come on. God's, God's, God's got somebody waiting on you right now. Come on, right now. You can get through some of this. You can get through this today. You can get through it today. Yes, you can. Fill 
this congregation with the faith of God so that you can use us in the marketplace and at school. Lord, increase our faith. Strengthen our faith, God. We admit we need help. We need help. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Strengthen our faith. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is your breath in our lungs? So we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour. Right here, heaven on earth in Jesus' name. Amen.